This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I'm excited about today's show because I've done their show, which is one of the most booming, popular podcasts on the planet. And as I got to know this beautiful couple, the best looking couple in the world, (laughs) if you're on YouTube watching this, I got to know them and I said, I have to get you guys on my show because I think they're so incredible. This is Lauren Everts Bostick with a hyphen (laughs) and the handsome Michael Bostick here with no hyphen hyphen. are my guests here today. And uh, you probably recognize their faces because like I said, they have one of the top podcasts in the world, but they're also built an incredible brand. They're entrepreneurs and they're young people that are succeeding. And so I wanted to pick their brains about why you've become so successful. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. This is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, look at the setting. Yeah. Yeah. The setting is like insane. It's pretty spectacular. And so are the two of you. And so after I met you guys, I haven't stopped talking about you. Thank you. So sweet. I think think the feeling's mutual. Yeah. Our audience cannot stop talking about you. The podcast we did with you is one of the most valuable podcasts we've ever done. Thank you. Well, I think today's gonna be that for everybody else too. So what I dig about your story, I want them to know a little bit about you because not everybody in my audience does know you, but I love that it's sort of similar to my story with Christiana as well. But how old were you guys when you first met, first of all? We met when we were 12. Mm. We have not been together that long. He wishes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no BS. I thought she was the substitute teacher. She came in at 12 years old. I was like four foot two at the time. And I looked over and saw this beautiful, blonde, fully developed woman. I, was I like, look the same as I look now, so it, it was it was funny because he was super short and little. I was um, 12 years old. But I liked him right away, and we sort of dated, broke up in high school, and got back together in college. Um, and didn't start a business together until about three years ago. I've had the Skinny Confidential for nine years. Um, Michael was working separately. Yeah, I've always been a business operator, done my own thing, and we were together. I was obviously consulting and supporting with her with everything, anything she needed with the Skinny Confidential, um, but I was running more brick and mortar business, retail businesses. We talked about that a little bit on our show. Yeah. And just kind of consulting her on how to potentially turn this beautiful blog that she was working on into a brand and business. She fully executed, so I can't take a lot of the credit there. Wasn't until maybe six or seven years into the brand that she started getting a lot more questions like who's this guy that's always in the background what's he do i knew i wouldn't be good on social because i'm just not the best at that stuff you don't think so huh no i just i know i could be better it's an area that i i'm constantly working on but i said you know what i can't seem to shut up maybe we do a podcast together (laughs) and their show you guys is so good and i i brought you on one because i think your story's cool i think it's I think typically when most people would see the two of you visually, and I joke about you being the most beautiful people couple in the world, but I have told that to about 50 people. So and nice. I've, now I've told it to 50 million people or whatever the number is. But I do think you'd think, oh, these two got together after they were really successful. They met at some gala or something like that. you know. So I think it's awesome that you met when he was four foot two and you were 12 years old. But even more awesome is the success the two of you are building together at such a young age, at least to me, it's a young age. And so I want to talk about some of the things that have worked for you guys, because in our audience, everybody listening to this on some level or another wants to build either a better life, have more happiness, have a better relationship, build a brand, build a following, express themselves creatively, which I think you're just extremely good at. So I want to talk about all those things today, and we got to do it in a short window of time, so I'm just going to rapid fire and let you guys talk about stuff. So 
the, the podcast is called The Skinny Confidential, but that's been a brand, as you said, for like nine years you had. How did that start? Where did it come from? Yes, yeah, so I was attending San Diego State University, and just to give you a background, I, um, you know, we, we grew up in Del Mar, California, beautiful area. I always, my whole theme of my childhood, I always say was I had to figure it out. Hmm. Always having to find creative angles. If I wanted something, I had to figure it out. Hmm. So ended up going to San Diego State. Um, my mother had just passed away. Um, my dad's super entrepreneurial and I was bartending full time and I'm talking like six nights a week. I was teaching pure bar and Pilates and I was very, very uninspired. I was bored and I didn't know why because it was go time. I had $80 in my bank account, hmm. no money, hmm. dating Michael at the time. Um, and he can tell his story separately, but um, it, it was definitely something where there wasn't anything like what I wanted to create. I mm. saw that there was a space in the market on campus where there wasn't a place for women to connect other than sororities. And okay. it's $800 a year to be in a sorority, which was a lot of money for me at the mm. time. I mean, I'm busting my ass bartending, you know, teaching, going to school full time, trying to make all my money, like uh, not making any money, living at my godparents' house, just in not a good space. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how can I do a sorority, but do it online wow. and not just do it in San Diego? How can I get women from Japan and Australia and Europe and connect and get all their tips and tricks in one place? You thought about that consciously, even in college, you're thinking that. Right, uh, in co it, for mm -hmm. me, it's always been community. That is okay. number one for me. It was mm -hmm. not a blog to show what I'm eating, what I'm wearing and how I do my hair. It mm -hmm. was a place for me to connect women everywhere and get someone in Minnesota's tips and tricks and mm -hmm. talk to the supermodel and talk to a celebrity and put it all in one place. So mm -hmm. essentially it was a resource. Okay, so let's stay there for a second. That's lesson one, because I'm, I'm conscious of doing that too. It's about sort of building a community and connecting people. Sometimes that is even more important than what the actual message is initially for those of you trying to build something. You can't just be, in my opinion, you can't just be putting content out there that has to be intentional with the intention of doing something specific. So that's a huge tip number one. And I gotta tell you, this community is powerful. It's one of the most loyal audiences I've interacted with because I've done a lot of shows, a lot of podcasts, and I've told you I put it in the top one or two in the world that I've done. And so you've built something, I think the longevity helps too, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, I just wanted to jump in and acknowledge that point. So you start doing that, you're building, did it start with the blog? Is that where it started? It started with the blog. The blog's the mothership, it's the foundation. And it's funny, cause I look back on myself nine years ago and I didn't know obviously what I was doing, but I went into it with three things. Wanted a community, you said the other word, intention. Mm. I didn't go into this to make money. Mm. I went into it knowing that money would come, mm -hmm. but I didn't go into it thinking I'm gonna make all this money and that's all I care about and how do I monetize? I didn't make one dime and I really want everyone to hear this because I get mm. so many questions from bloggers. I didn't make one dime for three years mm. and I blogged seven days a week. My gosh. And, and I, I wasn't like waiting for the money. I just knew it would come as I continued to provide valuable, tangible content. Mm. Um, and, and that's the third one is, is providing that quality yeah. content. It's so important. To piggyback off that, there's so many people that approach us now and they say, I want to create this brand. And the first question is, I want to do this because I want to make this. Yeah. And my answer, especially in my capacity now with your media is always saying, your intention always needs to be first providing value to a community or to mm -hmm. an audience. Like the one thing that Lauren and I, you know, speaking on the show a little bit, it, the intention was always to provide insight or value or mm -hmm. some type, like we just released this podcast and I said, 
the whole point is to, to provide positive change, right? Yes. If somebody's listening to this show that they, there's a takeaway, whether they want to start a business, they want to live a better life, or they want to look and feel better, mm -hmm. I think that there's so many creators that are jumping in this space and they're getting ahead of themselves saying, I need to make money. I agree with you They completely. don't understand that if you build the community first and provide value to an audience, that that's the, lead, the money will come, right? Yes. And the bigger problem then you have is saying what you say yes to and what you say no to. But yeah, they're asking the wrong questions. You know, it's funny, I'd love to add to what you said there, but those would be the three things I would say about building community, having any attention, and then you got to create great content that's valuable to people. I, I There's nothing that's perfect. That's but exactly that's what I do. But that's why I love your content so much, is mm. you do those three things, and I don't I don't know if, if those were your three things, but mm. I get all of that from you. You know, I think for me, I think you started with more clear intention than me. I think this is great for everybody. Let me say this too. Lauren start with a blog, and a lot of you message me, I don't want to do a podcast. There's all kinds of different ways that you could be expressing your content, and we're going to talk about blogging in a minute because you're so, to this day, like incredible at it. I'm a male. I think your audience is slightly more female probably, mm -hmm. but I consume your content every single day because, it, one, it applies to me 95% of the time, and the 5% of it that doesn't apply if it's, if it's female-centric is I have a daughter, I have a mom, I have female friends, I have a wife. It's like, so all of it applies to me. But I, I gotta tell you, I probably started out, I think I just sort of started to be candid with you. I knew I wanted to express myself. I certainly wasn't thinking about monetizing, but I don't think originally I had an intention of what it would look like or who I'd reach. I just started being expressive. And so had I had that, I'd been further along, I think. So can we talk about blogging for a second with you? Sure. So you just made a post about this, I think it was yesterday. Do you still post every day? I post five days a week, but here's the wow. thing, and I think this is so important to talk about on your mm. podcast too, and Michael can speak more on this, but I've realized that one, I go where the attention goes, so I, I um, evolve and I pivot where I need to pivot, mm. and two, I think now what you're selling to people is time. Mm. So. A blog, you have to sit down and you have to read it like this, mm -hmm. and it's taking my audience's time. Instagram, you're scrolling through it, it's taking my audience's time. Instagram story, you're watching it, it's taking my audience's time. A podcast mm -hmm. is the only medium that I'm completely respecting our audience's time. And mm -hmm. with that, it makes Michael and I feel so good mm -hmm. that our audience is getting their nails done, they're working out, they're you know, cleaning, cleaning the kitchen floor mm. while they're learning something that's going to be so productive to mm. their own life. So let me ask you, I'm going to go back and forth because Michael's got Dear Media, right? And that's sort of managing women that are in this podcast space, right? Yeah, so we have 30 shows currently under management. We're Good. full service, production, distribution. But what, you know, we've been, what I think it's important to, to focus on is that Lauren and I have just been practitioners of this entire media space for so long. Yep. And when we saw attention going to audio, we said, okay, listen, this is an opportunity to help people, one, produce better shows, mm -hmm. and two, make a business out of it. And I think that, there's, there's so many people that jump in and say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. But they're not practitioners, mm -hmm. and I think they're, I can only take the credit of being in the right place at the right time. It wasn't some great foresight yeah. of, oh, I thought and I knew audio. It was just that we were doing it for three years, self-producing it, joining a network, going back to self-producing it, mm -hmm. learning the ins and outs, struggling mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, let's, let's, let's figure a, way to better, a better way to do this. What works on a podcast? In other words, what gets you traffic? I'm going to ask you about blogging next. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a funny story. I think Good. this is what works on a podcast. And we talked about some of the people off, offline about yep. who we think are the, our favorites. My favorite thing is when somebody a known person shows up and they have an entourage of PR people yeah. and the PR people come and they want to sit in the room and they want to stare at Lauren and I like this and I'm like, listen, 
you can sit there and stare at us all you like. Yeah. We're still going to ask the questions because we're not putting the, uh, the guests first. We're putting our audience first. Ooh. Ooh. And what okay. happens in, when the audience knows that you're their, their, your priority mm. and that they're first, mm. that's what builds podcasts. We're not selling something. We're not trying to push an agenda. Mm. We're trying to help this audience live a better life or get inspired or whatever it is. And so that's what helps a podcast grow because they say, hey, cut the BS. These people are serving us. And that's really the intention behind the podcast. So regardless of the PR, regardless of the brands, it's building a service for the audience to get a benefit from. Mel Gibson always says this, and we talk about this so much, but it's like to educate, to entertain, to inspire. Our content always has to do one of those. And if you can do all three, you're fucking golden. Oh God, that's so good. It, 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 like it's it's a perfect trifecta. So if I, if you're out there listening and you want to start anything in any medium on social media, I would say to make sure you're getting one of those three things in. And if you can do all three, like I said, like you're, you're gold. How's blogging different? So first off, I want to know where'd Skinny Confidential come from? Where'd that title come from? And give give us a couple tips on blogging that may be different than podcasting. So the Skinny Confidential has nothing to do with being skinny. It's get the skinny get the juice it's a resource it's always been a resource and i wanted to get the juice i didn't want the pr conversation about jules huff i wanted i wanted in depth specific details of what she's using on her face what she's Mm. eating what kind i wanted i wanted the real details not what she's being paid to say and so that's where get the it's really getting the skinny okay um three blogging tips I, i would say don't blog because it's the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's, and I think you would agree with this with podcasting. Mm-hmm. And also know yourself. Like, I I feel like the self-awareness is really important. For me, Super. I love to write. And what you're going to get when you read my blog is it's going to feel like happy hour with me. It's going to feel like a one-on-one conversation where you're able to learn something. I want, I want people to leave my blog feeling that they can go be the best version of themselves. Yes. Not not emulating what I'm doing, mm-hmm. not copying my formula, just picking up tips and tricks of you know something that they can apply to their own life. Yeah, see, I love that. I want our audience to hear this. So this is such rich stuff. Thank you, by the way. I love that we're getting into stuff that helps the audience, right, immediately. And a lot of people listening is like, I'm not sure I want to blog. I don't know that I want to podcast. Clearly, podcasting, I think, is the most valuable space for what you've just said. It can be consumed doing anything. That's one of the great values of it. But I will say to you, I've had a lady sit here named Jasmine Starr. I don't know if you know Jasmine or not, but Jasmine sort of expresses herself with photography. So her social media brand grew through taking pictures, like almost that's Mm -hmm. her art form. Yours started with a blog that moved into a podcast. Mine started audio, then moved into video. And so there's all different ways. I think it's just what you've said, being authentic to yourself and just starting with some intention of doing those, those various things. I'm curious about your show and the overall space for both of you. Um, because I tell people this all the time, if you're going to do something, do it though. I mean, get into Mm -hmm. it and have an intention of being great at it. Mm -hmm. And this is not something you should take, I think, uh, lightheartedly or take casually if you're going to get into the space of wanting to influence people, right? It's a lot how of work. Do you, how, yeah, it's a lot of work. I know that it, it affects me. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, if you do, how do you manage the demands? I mean, even the, even a person right here has got a business like just coming up with a post every day on Instagram for me is difficult. Or how do you manage that, or do you not? Is it a struggle for both of you? I am constantly engaging with my audience. So much so that I can tell you what nail polish color she wears, um, what she's listening to on the ride home, Mm -hmm. where she works, where she goes to work, how she wears her hair, you know, what she eats for dinner. I am 
so uh, I actually am bad at returning my personal text messages because I am so in my DMs and my Snapchat DMs and mm. my I have a secret Facebook group with 50,000 women in it where we oh connect and it's community and I think what ends up happening with that is I listen and I, I let the audience lead they are the captain of the ship I'm sort of helping it, you know, move, but mm -hmm. they're 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 driving. The traditional celebrity never had access to the actual, let's say, fans at the time, right? Yep. Like they weren't in communication. I think where people make a mistake in this space once they have platform. First of all, you get platform because you have a vested audience that's interested in what you have to say, mm -hmm. right? And so you know what they're interested in what you have to say based on one, the engagement, but two, you interacting with them and asking them, what would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? I think the moment creators stop engaging with the people that have given them platform is the moment they start to fall down and start to fall off. Ooh, because those are the people that are driving the ship. We always like to describe it as like, you know, they're pointing us and we're just the arrow that's going wherever they want to go. What about collaborations? How big has that been for you over time of either collaborating on someone else's show, having someone on your own program, something like this today? Is that The reason I ask that is I think one of the fastest ways to grow your brand and to grow your following is collaborations. Mm -hmm. and, and that could be for people, I want to know it with you. People say, well, I don't know anybody. I'm talking about if you have 300 followers and you collaborate with someone who's got 200 followers and you agree to post something of theirs and they repost something of yours, you're collaborating and you picked up 11 more followers, right? Mm -hmm. So. There's all kinds of ways on every level to collaborate, but how's that? Obviously, you've built this massive movement. I got to assume collaboration had something to do with it. I've always looked up to Oprah. Oprah is someone, and this is such a cliche answer, but I'm being mm. really honest. Oprah is someone that builds other people up. Mm. Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, she builds other people up. And I've noticed sometimes with, with, with my industry is that sometimes, you know, that's not happening. Gosh. And, and I, the foundation of my blog, again, was getting tips and tricks from other people, mm. whether it be the everyday girl or the celebrity or the supermodel or, you know, someone like, like mm. bringing other people up. I've always really tried to come from an abundance mindset with that and mm. that it's very Tony Robbins, but it's yep. true. I've never looked at it as scarcity. So even if I did a collaboration with, with someone, which, you know, this happens all the time, did a podcast with someone and they don't share it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. It's like. Because I'm going to go on to the next one and hopefully they're going to share. You it know also I mean? comes from a somewhat selfish place is that we know we don't have all the answers. We mm. know Ed might have yeah. some answers we don't have. So mm. what greater benefit to have you come on to our show and ask you whatever we want to ask you for an hour and pick your brain and get that information. And if by chance you share some knowledge with us and our audience learns something mm. even better. Mm. So I think that people that don't want to collaborate in the space are short-sighted, they're short-minded. It always comes around. I. I believe in karma. Mm. I believe in just treating people well. Mm. And I think that by putting that positive energy out there, it comes back on. So even if we have someone on and they don't reciprocate, that's okay. Mm. We'll have somebody else on and they will. I understand. I, by the way, I, I'm, a, I'm sort of, struck by how you, uh, I do this with some of the athletes I coach, I think sometimes I articulate for them things they do well unconsciously. And then they go, I do do that. You're doing that for me right now. <laughs> Many of the things you're describing, I've not been conscious that I've done, but same thing. Some of the collaborations are for selfish reasons. I'm just glad to hear from these people and learn from them. But because the two of you are so good at this, I'm trying to become more omnipresent, meaning I don't want to rely just on Instagram or just YouTube or, you know, I'm starting the blog space myself as well. I'm curious because you're great at multiple aspects of this. Both of you, where do you think it's going? What do you think the future of influencing, of, of we'll call it social or business, social and business media, do you think it's just 
strictly on Instagram or do you think that the, the future is doing multiple platforms? What do you think it is? It's so interesting that you asked that because recently there's been a shift. Mm. And what's, in, what's happening is everything is too curated and it's getting too edited and it's getting too high editorial. Everything is going to go back to less makeup, less filters behind the scenes, showing more of your real life. And what's gonna end up happening is that people now want access to every facet of your life. And you're gonna, to really evolve as a creator, and, and listen, I need to work on this too, like. Big time I, Yeah, all, everyone does. Like, I think that the, the veil needs to be pulled off now. Mm. It's, it, it's starting, like, it's almost too high level quality. I know that's crazy. No, you're right. But sometimes when I listen to a podcast that's recorded in a hotel room, it resonates more with me. Um, I think people want to see the struggle behind the scenes. I think it can't just be your highlight reel anymore. Yes, you're giving people, and I want Michael to jump into his perspective, but I want to add to that, because this is sort of how we do it here. You're one million percent right. We were talking about this off camera. But for me, this gives everyone hope out there who doesn't have a team, who doesn't have a mic, who doesn't have three editors. When I say mic, I don't mean microphone. I mean Mike, mm -hmm. who's the head of my videography, uh, videography department. My worst performing content is the most highly produced. Yep. My best produced content is a selfie camera where I talk into it. That should give everybody hope that's listening to this because people, it's reality. And so the more filtering there is, the more production there is, the less real it is. And so you're one billion percent right, which is good news because that means this is wide open for anybody to do well in, right? Anybody can. The, the roadmap is the rock. It's mm. wide Look open. at the rock yes. on Instagram. Mm. He talks to the camera this close. Sweating. To the, he's yeah. sweating. The roadmap, look at what The Rock is doing. That is where we're headed. The other roadmap for The Rock, I love that you use this example because I just said this on a show, is that he's a great actor and he's built this huge brand. But it'd be interesting to debate, is he getting bigger and bigger movies then that's growing his social media? Or is he getting bigger movies because his social media is so big? And this is important ticket in all businesses. There's not a business that exists that does not benefit from a larger audience size, from credibility, to getting deals done, to signing contracts, to legitimizing yourself with clients that you don't know. My theory on The Rock is that social media presence has helped him acquire bigger and bigger movie roles. It'll help you acquire better in clients in your business. So what were you gonna and say, to Michael? And to kind of piggyback off what you just said, mm. in the beginning, because I'm a business guy, and you're mm. a business guy, mm. a lot of people that I'm in business with are like, is this a vulnerability that he, this guy is on these platforms saying whatever he wants to anyone he wants all the time? Mm -hmm. I think it gives a level of protection, right? Because that audience will will give me that shield and that protection. You can say whatever you want, however you want. They know it's real. There's not a veil that you're hiding behind. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives you a level of like, if we want to go start this thing, they're coming with me. If we want to go start this thing, mm -hmm. they're coming with me. And so I think to piggyback kind of off this whole conversation, where I think the space is going is less curation, mm -hmm. more vulnerability, and why we've been so keen on audio is this is a very hard medium to edit. Yeah. You may not like everything I say, you may not identify with me on everything, but you know that this is real, right? There's no way to, it's hard to fake a conversation. It's hard to mm -hmm. go on 200 episodes and, and curate that 200 times, right? And mm -hmm. how many people do you like, when you have a, like, when you have a conversation with someone, do you want, not always do you want to continue to hear what they have to say. So when I, what I mean by that is with Instagram, when you see a beautiful picture of this beautiful person in the street and you're like, wow, this is so great and you follow them and then you hear them on audio and it's not quite what you wanted. Wow. The, the, the audio is gonna be huge because it's gonna start to reveal people's real 
personality. Oh and that's why I think people want personality. So good. You know, one stat I was reading the other day, you know the stats better than I do, Michael, but the vast majority of podcasts currently don't even get 500 downloads. Mm-hmm. What's the stat? 90% or something There's like that? 700,000 of these things in existence. So imagine how hard it is to be visible in the space. Okay. So 700,000 of them, the vast majority don't get 500. People say, well, that's why I shouldn't get into it. No, I think that's why you should get into it because Maybe your first show won't or your 11th show won't, but you're documenting your life by doing podcasting, by doing Instagram. There's a value to just breadth of content. Don't you agree? Like there's just a value of having a lot of stuff you've produced. I agree, but people have to be conscious that they have to be themselves and do them, right? If I came out and said, I'm doing a second rate version of the Ed Milet show. Yes. That's not gonna work. Mm. If I come out and say, this is authentically me, and I hate throwing that word authentic around, but sure. it's true, yep. and I have a unique point of view that only I can cover, only Lauren can cover, only you cover, that's where you're gonna see longevity. The people that make mistakes is it's a second-rate version of Ed Milet or a second-rate version of The Skinny Confidential, and there's no way to stretch that into the future because it's just constantly trying to do a second-rate version of what somebody else has already done. Brilliant. That's one of the things I've really agreed on myself when I started it. I'm just gonna do it my way. I don't wanna trail the way someone else is doing it. The and other thing, happened. right, and that's what, and, and now sort of, you know, it's kind of flattering to me when I see people, people trailing me. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I must be doing something right. But the other thing that happens when you document the real you, everyone, and I do this with you guys, that's why I wanted you here today. Once I did your show, I was like, oh my God, before I did your show, people go, you gotta do this show. This is a legit following, they've got great content, they're great people. Then I met you, I went, I'm blown away by them. Then I experienced the power of your audience, and I wanted you here to teach people how to do it. But I also, the way you produce your content, I root for you. You're so real with it, I root for you, and that's why you wanna document the real you. You don't wanna just build a following, you wanna build a community, but also, I think the more people see your vulnerabilities, they're kinda pulling for you, right? Yeah. And you, you, that way you don't have to push your audience to do things, they're coming with you. Don't you think you do that really good job of that? Totally, whenever I listen to your podcast and I hear you open up about something that you don't do good at, <laughs> that you don't do well, but mm. you, you keep trying and you mm. keep learning and you're trying to become a practitioner, it, it pulls me towards you as mm. a listener because you're opening up. Mm. You said something earlier in this episode that is such a gem. You said that you just launched this podcast and you just sort of threw it up and you you didn't know exactly what you were doing. I think if you're out there and you're listening, you should you don't need to have everything perfect to launch it. Mm. Michael always says you launch fast and adjust to consumer behavior. Mm. And I think what both of us did with our podcast, because I know you said this earlier, is that we threw it up there. It's not perfect at first. Mm. We learned from the audience. We connected with the audience. We adjusted. And then we just kept doing it over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat. Mm. And then you, you really do, you become a practitioner of the space. Every business I've ever had has launched with a not picture perfect product. Mm. And I've always had to adjust and figure out how to, I don't, I don't want to say it's always a work in progress, but how to work towards perfection of that product by listening to what the customer or the audience is saying and adjusting. Mm. We talked a little bit, I have that business jet bed. We make Mm. beds for corporate and private aircraft. High net worth individuals are purchasing these products. The first version of that we launched, imagine putting on your jet, and the first thing that happens is it deflates and you're falling and laying on the floor of your plane. (laughs) That happened to me. The only way to adjust is to listen to what happened, figure it out and and make it right with the customer. Same Mm. with our podcast. We launched it out of our kitchen. The sound was bad. We're interrupting. Mm. We didn't know how to to direct and talk to an audience. Horrible fights. And we listened to all, I went and scoured, I'm a glutton for punishment, all the negative views. He interrupts. They talk too much. The sound is bad. He interrupts. 
interrupts. He interrupts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how we said, okay, you know what? We hear you. Yeah. We're going to work to make it better. And by doing that and acknowledging the audience and letting them know that we were listening to them, they were rooting for us to say, okay, let's help these guys get better. <laughs> Brother, you're so right. That's exactly what I did. I'd read the negatives in the beginning and I let that guide me. I really did. It hurt me a little, but I'm thinking, then I'd watch. I was almost mortified. I am interrupting. <laughs> I do talk over them, and I still do it. I still, there'll be a show we'll do, you know, because people think, you think, you guys, I'm, I think you're this way too. I'm very self-aware. I'm also hard on myself. There'll be certain interviews. Today's not one of them because it's going so well, and I'm like, Mike, I tell Mike afterwards, God, I talked over them. Why did I interrupt that they were on a roll? You know, I'll, I'll make these mistakes, but you, you would think that p you, you want to be that way to get better, but you just went somewhere where I wanted to go next because I know people want to know this. What is the relationship like with you guys? So, so give us, give me something that you guys have a challenge with. Oh. So what is, so you got another hour? Yeah. <laughs> well, we could, Let's but do part two. because <laughs> I, when I met you and I think I have this a little bit in my own life too, but I met you and I'm not kidding. When I opened the show with this, I called Christian and they go, I just met the best looking couple in the world. And I said, but what's great about them is they're different, but they're like, they're really a good team. Like their energy is symbiotic. They sort of, they're a little bit unique, each of them. They work so well together. And even I left that day like, these two really got it going. So let's peel that back for a second. Cause I think there's people now that are looking at relationship issues. So like, what do you, what's a struggle for you guys? It's one of your like, I don't know if you call it a sore spot in your relationship that keeps coming back over. First of all, there's a hundred struggles of working with your significant other. Yeah. When do you shut it off? And in relationships in general. And you mm -hmm. say we had a symbiotic energy. We don't have a symbiotic energy when it comes to knowing when it, the boundary needs to be shut off. Like, uh, Michael for years would wake me up saying things like, we gotta talk about our bank account. We gotta talk about, we gotta talk about this podcast. And I, I finally had to set a boundary where it was like, you know what? Don't, I don't want to talk about business until I've had my coffee, I've done my workout, I've done mm. my meditation, I've done my light movement hydration. Like, mm. I, I need to get in that space to wrap my head around it. I think, mm. first of all, it's just like launching a podcast. With a relationship, you, ha you have to adjust to each other. It's a mm. dance. Mm. So if I know that I'm not good before I've done all those things that I just named, yeah. 100 things, then I know I need to communicate that with mm -hmm. to him. Um, we have, but as far as like struggles, I would say we have um, listening struggles. We have um, boundaries of when to shut it off. We have fights all the time when we're doing um, our intros. <laughs> okay. All the time. We're both very type A. We're both very alpha. Mm -hmm. um, we're both used to running our own ships, right? Yeah. Like the, a lot, there's a common misconception that Lauren and I do everything in every business together. Like I've always had my own things, she's had her own things, mm -hmm. and we come together on the podcast. That's important, mm -hmm. I think. And so it's important for people to, just, to understand and distinguish that we don't do everything, but when we do, imagine two type A's that think it should be one way, that mm -hmm. are working on the same thing as equal partners while also in a relationship sleeping together. Yeah. That can be a challenge to turn off and when to shut down. And there could be a moment where maybe I want to talk business and she doesn't. I have to respect that boundary. Like, okay, wait a minute. It's not about me. I try to make every decision, I think, as a good husband should, with my wife in thought. How is this going to affect her? What does she want to do? And there's sacrifices that need to be made as a, as a man in order to do that. It's not always my way anymore, and I have to remember that. I'm, I'm very... Um creative in the sense where I, I need a lot of thinking time. And yeah. I've been studying a lot of, uh, we want, we're gonna have Keith Cunningham on our podcast, mm -hmm. and he talks about thinking time all the time, and I've realized I need that. I need that thinking time to wrap my head around my vision. I have a 
very clear vision of how I want my community and my product line and whatever it is to roll out in front of me. And if I don't have that thinking time, I shut down. He is more go, 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 go. I got to wrap my head around stuff before I just make decisions. Is there a ritual that holds your relationship together, whether that be a date night or a walk or meditation or vacation once in a while? Is there some ritual you guys use that works? I think there's a lot. Lauren and I, a lot of people, we like to get away together. I've noticed. That's why I asked. We like to go. We like to do things like read in bed together. It doesn't necessarily need to be a whole conversation. We like to share books and passages. We like just interesting podcasts, texting each other. I think that you have to find things that you find interesting and common. Another thing that I think limits some couples is it's okay to want to talk business at dinner sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right? okay. It's I, okay. I've seen a lot of my friends that they want to talk to their wife or their significant mm-hmm. other about this stuff and they say, nope, can't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So really what it is for us constantly is finding those rituals and finding the balance and respecting each other's boundaries where if she says, hey, you know, this is not the right time. I really hear that and take it in. You know mm-hmm. what? We're, we're both very curious people. We always want to be better. We always want each other to reach our full potential. Mm. So I think the reading thing is huge. We love to read. We read. Pro- we probably read a book a week. We love podcasts. Yeah. We love to listen to podcasts together. Mm. We're just we're curious individuals. I think we we would be bored if we weren't with someone that constantly wanted more. At the end of the day, we have our struggles, but we're both committed to building a life together. And I think Ooh. that's why where we can go divergent sometimes, but at the end of the day, we know like this is what we're committed to do together and so we can always come back. Uh, probably you guys get this question. That's so beautiful. The reading together, I've never heard that. That's awesome, by the way. That's really good. Reading is, I mean, it's, I, 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 I anyone out there, I recommend finding a great book and getting lost in it. That's when I have my most creative moments. It's funny you say that. Off the topic, but sort of related, and it wasn't with Christiana, but it was with my daughter. A few nights ago she read to me and then I read to her and it just I want to say this because I think it's just beautiful what you just said it was a different type of connection between my daughter and I mm-hmm. where I read to her and she read to me I can't really express just everyone even picturing that right you could probably picture it's sort of beautiful yeah you know just to share something together but from different angles I, I love that idea and I'm actually gonna implement that what would you say because I bet you get asked this a lot because you do the podcast as a couple mm-hmm. but I bet you know, the women ask you this a lot this is a hard question for me because I get asked it often and I'd like a better answer than I can give because I don't suffer from this what would you say to somebody who says my spouse is not supportive of what I'm doing you must get asked that a lot I do you want my honest opinion mm-hmm. yeah I think I try to take accountability for every area of my own life if your spouse isn't being supportive I would say that you you need to communicate it, evaluate it, or, you know, to be honest, like if it was me, I mean, I'm a very independent person. I wouldn't, I, I don't like to blame outside things. Mm-hmm. Like if your spouse isn't supportive, you either need to sit him down and really get him to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if they're, if they're not listening, I would evaluate, like, is that the person that you want to be with forever? I think that's the best answer. Yeah. I agree with you. I the reason I asked you that is because I think most people don't have the courage to give that answer. But I mean, said, I couldn't be with a spouse that's not supportive per- of what I'm doing. Particularly if it's a pattern. If yeah. there's one thing you're doing, right, I think that's one thing to our audience. Like if there's one thing, I'm not supportive of this because they've got a real issue with this thing, that can be evaluated. But if this is a pattern of sort of a lack of support, you need to evaluate whether that's the right person for you, right? I, you know, I, I, I totally acknowledge that. Would you add anything to it? I would just say, I think that a lot of people, they get 
they get in these situations and they get they get stuck, right? And they're in this pattern that just and they and they're they're fearful of breaking the pattern. For mm -hmm. us, there's deal breakers, right? If I'm not supportive of her and she's not supportive of me, mm -hmm. we're gonna analyze that and we say, why are we together, mm -hmm. right? And I always tell people, I'm I'm I don't worry about my business. I don't worry about financial stuff. I don't worry about outside criticism because I'm already operating, knowing that I have the support of my wife, mm -hmm. and from there, I'm already on a winning plot. Like you can't. You take everything away from me, I know I have that, mm -hmm. and so I don't get scared, I don't get worried, I don't get fearful because I have her. And, just and I think beautiful. if you don't have that from your significant other, maybe think about, should, is that the right person to, to be with? Wow. Just playing off that, I, I feel like I talk to a lot of women on a daily basis, and um, I, would say, I would say two things. I would say, I don't listen to what society tells me I need to do. So if I was single right now, I would be 100% okay with that and I probably would just be working on my business. I don't care that society tells me I have to have a kid at this age and I have to get married at this age. And the other part of that is I tell them, don't settle. Don't settle for half-ass in any area of your life. None. Not your relationship, not your business. I just, I don't think that you have to settle. I totally agree. And there's, when you start settling in relationships, this is a pattern where you will settle in others. You think they're not related, they are. I just did Amanda Cerny's podcast. It's not even out yet. And at the end, a young lady called in who was young and she said, I'm with this man, I love him, but I'm settling because of the way he treats me in this regard. I don't even like the way he chooses food. She went from little things to bigger things she settled for. And I think I surprised Amanda and the other women in the room when I said, I wouldn't be with him. I mean, you're better than having to settle. This is a decision with somebody you're spending the rest of your life with. You should not settle in any damn area. Compromising and settling are different things in a relationship where I'll give a little bit, you'll give a little bit, so we meet. But that's totally different. And a lot of people will, especially I think sometimes they're like, no, I've compromised. No, that's not a compromise. He hasn't done any diff, he hasn't changed at all. You're settling. Don't settle in your relationships, everybody. There's billions of people in the world. Billions, right? And forget it. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Mm -hmm. Don't settle and and stop looking at your timeline or what your mom wants or what your dad wants or what your sister thinks. Just laser focus. I asked Bethany Frankel once her best advice and she said, stay in your own lane. Mm -hmm. Michael Michael Phillips. Phelps. Stayed in his own lane. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say like don't see what everyone's doing, taste every ice cream flavor, but do what works for you. Mm, so good. The uh I'm just processing that because I think it's one of the number one things I get asked and it's something that I think happens every single day. People are just sort of settling and they're not blissful, they're not happy, they're not passionate in their relationship. That's gonna transcend in every other area because it's the biggest, it's the, one of the most significant parts of your life. It's the person you're gonna spend the most time with. So I'm really, I really appreciate you saying that. Now, one thing I've noticed about you, why I don't think you settle, we only have a few more things, but you're like me, both of you. You're addicted to personal development and improving yourself. And you're, you listen to the right people. You listen to me. I listen to you guys. All the time. And, and, uh, and I appreciate how much you promote me as well. And I need to do a better job of starting to reverse promote you. You promote us all the time. Yeah, but not, enough, on Instagram but, but, not, so but, but not enough. I need to do more of it because I'm such a big believer in you. But I think the reason neither of you settle is these are two people working on themselves to build a better relationship. You're both trying to improve yourself. Your identities are so high, you won't settle in different areas. How critical has that aspect for both of you, Ben, Michael, you first, about just constantly working on yourself to create the next 
best Michael all the we're, time. We're hard on ourselves in that regard, constantly looking for improvement, right? Like, mm. and, and I have, I think we both have issues celebrating achievement or success, right? Mm. I always tell people I'm like a dog, you know, it's in the, the dark night. Yes. You ask the Joker, why do you do this? He's like, I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught it. Yes. That's how I am with success and with, with achievement, right? Like every time I get to a milestone, it's on to the next. And I think it's because we're so interested in self-improvement, not just for ourselves, but for each other. Hmm. Where I think an area that's interesting to explore for people is everyone's so interested on self-improvement, working on themselves. A recent conversation with Lauren and I saying, let's focus on what we need to do to improve the relationship together. So it's not just about us, but it's about the relationship. So many people put, you know, I want to improve my business. I want to improve my fitness, my health. What about, how am I going to improve my sex life? How am I going to think about complimenting my wife more? How am I going to be a better listener? Things how are you going to call me a queen like Ed yes. calls his wife? And I think that that's another area of self-improvement we're starting to explore. But it's, it's so important to constantly look for that achievement and to, to self-improve and to work on yourself. I think the moment you get complacent and lazy, is the moment that you start to, to fall off the pedestal. Oh, bro, that was really good. Like, really, <laughs> really good. Because I think even sometimes I promote two people improving themselves will grow the relationship. With, and I've missed encouraging them to just actually grow the relationship. Mm -hmm. That it's, was really good right there. We just talked about it on the, in the car right up here. We're saying, we, it was literally so parallel. We were talking about, we're so focused on self-improvement. What about focusing on this relationship and looking Michael started waking up every morning. He changed his wake up time from like six to five. And then he was very methodical about his morning routine. He, he writes down his gratefuls in his journal. He reads his stoicism. He does his run. He does his workout. It's been so great to see him improve that way. But the, I said on the car right over, I said, I feel like you're working so much on yourself. And I'm so proud of that. And I want you to do that. But I also need you to put the same effort into our relationship. And I can meet you halfway. It is, it is important because... There's two parts though. You have to improve yourself to be better for your partner, but yes. at the same time, you can't just be worried about yourself. You also have to think about the life you're living with that other person, your business partner, your spouse, whoever. I pray that everyone's still listening and watching right now. It's one of my favorite moments on any show I've ever done. I will get a little bit emotional if I talk about it anymore. We're all gonna it's, cry. It's one of my favorite moments ever on my show because it's never been said before, it's never been expressed before, and it's pure, complete, total truth. And it's something that I need to work on because I'm constantly working on myself. And I think you just assume if we both get better, so will the relationship. That's what we were doing. Wow. We Amen. literally had this conversation on the ride over. And we looked at each other and we said, oh, wait, both, this is, oh, we looked at each other. I looked at her and I said, you're 100% <laughs> right. Like this, we're so focused on ourselves, but we have to focus on each and other. It's, it's so crazy because you spend so much time in the gym. You spend so much time on your beauty routine. You spend so much time working on, on, your, on your work and your business. When are you working on your sexual wellness? When are you working, you know, it's like, th those are things that it's, you can't just like roll over and not like yeah. have sex. Like you gotta, you gotta work at it. It's a work. And it's work, especially the longer yeah. you're with somebody, it requires even more intentional focus. Wow, wow, wow. I almost want to move that to the very front of the interview because I'm so fearful. I hope everyone is they're probably still with us because that was powerful as heck. Okay, last thing. I'm, by the way, I'm so impressed with you both. I'm proud of both of you. Thank you. I hope that I can be in your lives and continue to help you um, or begin to help you rather is more um, correctly stated because I want you in front of the world even bigger than you are. I that think you're means wonderful. a lot coming from you and I just have to say to your audience that you are... I consume your content every single day. I think it provides so much value. Thank you. Uh, I, I mean, it can't get better for me. So, yeah, and you, I told you that I consume it. I, I'll be candid with my own audience. I listen to 
five podcasts, and I probably listen to three very regularly, and, and yours is one of them, because I learn something every single time. That's what was so wonderful about today. People are inspired, but man, they learned a ton. So I the last question, no, it's just true, and I think you're just incredible, and I can see you, I'm excited because I, I'm, I can almost see where you're going. And I can see three more years, five more years. The reach is going to be unbelievable, and you'll be in all different types of media, even beyond this space, in my view. So the last question is uh, just general advice for people. There's a lot of people that are watching this that come to the show today in different conditions, different situations. You know, some of them are winning and they want to pour it on. You know, some of them are in a great relationship. They're doing well financially. But for the vast majority of people at any given time, there's an area of their life that they're just not feeling great about. It could be financial, relationship, physically, emotionally. And they want to turn that around. They want to make a change. They look at the two of you. They've seen the turnarounds that both of you have made, the progress. I love your vulnerability about not everything's perfect. What advice would you give to somebody who says, I want to transform an area of my life? What would each of you say if you could give them one tip, one thing? I would say that in every single area of your life, you have the power to create and design your own future. I talk about designing a strategic future for any area. I think it needs to have the right intention like we talked about from the beginning. You need to write it down, you need to have the vision, but you're in charge. If you're looking for outside people to do things for you and change things for you, it's not gonna happen. Like I said, I had $80 in my bank account. I was a bartender, that was my path. I was gonna be a bartender if I sat back. And I really took the reins of my future and decided that I was going to have an intentional future and I mapped it out. And I think anyone can do that in any area. So do I. I want to say one thing about that just to be to second it. With all the personal development, all the self-improvement out there, USA Today, or excuse me, the New York Times just did an article, 1% of all people have actually written down what they want. 1% in this day and age, for 1% of the people to even have on paper what they want, blows my mind. So 1 million percent agree with that. Michael, what would you say? I'm an eternal optimist. You can put me in the darkest hole and I'll always look for the for the speck of light. Mm. I think people need to start telling themselves not how bad it is, but how how good it can be. Mm. And if you make that shift and just constantly tell yourself that and write down your goals and mm. work every single day and put Find your angles. head down and be patient and don't give up and, and don't tell yourself that it's terrible and it's never going to get better. Mm. Time heals everything as long as you have an optimistic mindset. There's been so many times in my life where I felt down and out and felt like I was going to fail or not make it. And just putting my head down and working and talking to people like you and being inspired by people like my wife and listening to good content and reading good books. Surround yourself with positive people. If you have negative people in your life, cut them out, get rid of them mm. and look for that positive light. Anything that touches your life that's negative, even if it's a personal relationship, your mom, your dad, brother, sister, if it's negative, get it out and you'll start to see slowly but surely those positive impacts on your life, it will get better. It can get better. So you just have to be willing to look for it. So good, brother. What was find angles? What does that mean? Find find, I'm always finding an angle. If I, whenever I do anything, I always find... So if someone tells me no, mm-hmm. I've been told no 5,000 times, but I've been told yes 500 times. Take those yeses, leverage it to the next level of people. Leverage mm-hmm. it to the next level of people. I did that with my blog. So many celebrities said no to me. I literally tweeted a thousand people a day when I first started out. I would say, can I interview you? Mm. Most of them would say no, Mm -hmm. but five of them would say yes. Mm. So I would take those five, I would interview them, and then I would use that as leverage to get my next five. Mm. Find angles where you just have to keep going at it. 
look at it from a different perspective, have thinking time. And that's a, that's an important thing to point out about vulnerability for every yes from an Ed Milet or a Jessica Alba or yep. Amanda Cerny. We have 5,000 no's from, every, from people and that happens all the time. It happened today, it happened mm -hmm. this week. Too many people told us, don't start a blog. What the hell is a blog? Yeah. Don't start a podcast. Why would you do a podcast? Mm -hmm. Don't do this. That's what I'm saying about optimism. And just, just to round out what you just said, I was when I was a bartender, I was bartending at the super exclusive bar. Mm -hmm. It was like the richest bar in, in, in Rancho Santa Fe. And it was all men. And they would come in and, and they would kind of treat me like I was sort of like a wallflower, like I wasn't mm -hmm. there, but I was paying attention the whole time. And one day, this, this old man said to me, he goes, um, he goes, what are you going to do with your life? What are you studying in college? I said, I'm going to be a blogger. Now, this is in 2009. He looked at me and he said, laughed, bellowing laugh. Wow. Like, what are you talking about? You can't mm. make money with that. Mm. He was the inventor of the airbag. Mm. And, and the reason I tell this story at wow. the end is because you can't listen to the outside noise. Gosh, it's so true. You gotta keep going. Yeah, and even if it's someone that you think has credibility, because humans aren't right about everything. Just because they've yep. been successful on other, doesn't mean they're successful on the other. And the other thing you guys just said, people underestimate the absolute force of just massive shock and awe effort and work. Max out. Just literally to max out. Thank you. Like just throw crazy psycho effort at something over and over and over again. Your will almost destroys the obstacle. You two are proof of this. You built this massive following. So last thing, where do they find you for this following? You want to go to Instagram? Is that I the best place? The the podcast and her Instagram. I think the last thing I would round it out is you, you just touched on it is you can study and listen and read all you want, but if you don't take massive action and put yourself out there and put yourself in a vulnerable position to potentially fail, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, there's potential failure on the horizon. No one's going to protect you from no. that. But you're guaranteed it if you don't try. It's part of the process. So you want to go to the Skinny Confidential podcast? the Skinny podcast. Confidential on Instagram and the okay. Skinny Confidential him and her podcast. You guys, they're unreal. Okay, I'm just telling you. I know you got tons of value out of today. Thank you, both of you. Thanks Thank for you, having us. I knew. So beautiful. I knew. I knew. <laughs> hey, everybody, I want to remind you to turn your notifications on on Instagram if you're following Ed Milet. Stories and the main stuff because every day when I make a post in my main feed, I run the max out two-minute drill that you can win. Would you do one coaching call with one of my guests? I will do a coaching call, we'll do a book, we'll do pop sockets, we'll do stickers, we'll do the whole thing. Bingo. So you could get access to a coaching call with one of my guests if you win. Coaching call with me, right on my jet. We got people next week going on the jet. Autographed copy of my book, Max Out Gear, tickets to see me speak. So what you do to win is really simple. There's three ways. When I make a post on my main feed on Instagram, you make a comment within the first two minutes. And make it a good comment too. If you miss the first two minutes, then make a comment on other people's comments or do both and that doubles your chance to win because I want to create engagement and collaboration with all of you. Or third, if you miss the first two minutes, you can make a comment any time of the day as long as you make a comment every single day, regardless of the time, on my post and we pick three winners a day. One who makes a comment in the first two minutes, someone who comments on other people's comments, and someone who just comments every single day. We announce those winners on Sundays. I'd love to pick you as a winner. I want to collab, I want to engage with you. Share today's show with people you love, that you believe in and you care about. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the audio version. If you're listening to it, subscribe to my YouTube channel. God bless you and Max out. This is the Ed Marlin Show.